Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. situation friends good monday night from the cold dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote pacific northwest i'm jeremy scott seems like saber rattling flexing of the muscles nothing really more than that from my independent observation u.s uh saying that it plans to impose limits on china's artificial intelligence and supercomputing firms. The new rules could be the most sweeping action taken yet by the Biden administration to thwart China's access to American technology that powers data centers and supercomputers. That reported by the New York Times. And I'm forever amazed at the advancements in artificial intelligence and in automation that have been made seemingly by the week and by the month and by the year. Uh, We're certainly advancing. Meta is using some new AI software. Uh, We, of course, talked about the Google Project Lambda and whether or not it went sentient. And there's so many other things happening on the artificial intelligence front but there's so many other angles to this this technological takeover as we'll call it here tonight on the program it's not just artificial intelligence it's things like automation which of course in my industry the radio industry is very very easy to automate number one most of the elements that we play are already built in and then it just takes the human putting ourselves right in the middle, sort of speak. But we can put ourselves in the middle uh, when we're not here live, if that makes sense. I, I could record this. Now, I am sitting here live, and it is October 3rd at 6.33 p.m. Pacific, 9.33 Eastern. However, I could have recorded this earlier today 
and played it back, and you wouldn't know the difference. That is a very simple form of automation, but it happens in many other industries. Of course, the car industry, many manufacturing industries, other things such as gene editing and even 3D printing, uh, the ability to literally print stuff through a computer and a 3D printer, nanotechnology, quantum computing. If you look around, technology is all around us. And, I, you know, I've had a few days as I begin a new chapter of my life. I've had a few days to kind of just sit back and look at things from afar. And I've come to the realization about how lucky we really are with the technology And the technology certainly is constantly changing, and seemingly it's hard to keep up with. And we all get frustrated sometimes when we get new pieces of gear, and we don't uh, know how to use it right away. But there's a learning curve with everything, sort of speak. But there's also many positives uh, that can be used with artificial intelligence uh, and other automation means that can, you know, especially in today's day and age... Keep people in business who maybe can't afford uh, to pay people or nobody wants to do the work. So the choice is automate it or go out of business. So I found a man by the name of Sylvain Rochon who wrote a book called Engineering Paradise, Are You Ready? He is a solution-focused speaker, an author, a futurist, and an entrepreneur, what do you think about this whole world? By the way, welcome to the program, Sylvain. It's just uh, an amazing technological world that we live in. You would have to agree. I mean, you wrote a book about it. Well, uh, yeah, it's amazing. But what we're currently seeing or experiencing is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you've probably heard of the singularity, right, as a concept. Uh, yes. Which is where, you know, things, um, evolution of technology becomes so fast that, we, we can't even deploy things fast enough. And we're kind of on the cusp of that just a few years uh, from the singularity uh, based on that definition. So what we are working on, let's call it the labs or the entrepreneurial table, the engineer's table, is far more advanced than what you actually see in market because the time to market is actually pretty long. Um, in part because of red tape regulations uh, and just needing to fund uh, productions and scale up and that kind of thing, that takes time. But the discoveries uh, using AI, leveraging these technologies, is just keeps going on at a faster, faster pace. So what we're seeing out there is, is, very, is very low tech compared to what's possible already in the lab. Are we going to be able to keep up, you think, with this evolution? Uh, as as human beings working, no, impossible. Uh, AI uh, can evolve and become faster as things progress and iterate fast. AI can. So um, part part of the part of what I talk about in my in my talks to kind of illustrate the future, let's call it just that, is that we've come to a point very soon where Human beings are a detriment to productivity, meaning that AI is a better way to uh, to produce or to manipulate resources than human beings can. And therefore, if we are part of the workforce doing stuff for productivity's sake, 
we actually are slowing down GDP production. So that means basically where the company's losing money by uh, by having us in there instead of a robot. That's right. And therefore, why are they paying us the salaries? Right. If we are not productive enough, the consumers want customization and low cost. They want high productivity and efficiency in companies. So we, we're, that's what we want to pay for. But at the same time, companies, if they want to provide that, they have to employ more automation and more AI. But that's how we get the income <laughs> to actually buy the things, right? So, so we're coming to that, that moment where we have to rethink our whole economy. We cannot persist as civilization where people are gainfully employed in order to survive and be able to, uh, to live in society. We have to change that mindset. It won't work. Yeah. And what about the the unpredictability element as well as these innovations continue to roll out? It brings on a, a brand new element of whether or not these things are, are safe or, or ethical, just depending on, on how far this goes. Well, as a uh, free-thinking, free-loving innovator, I hate to say this, but uh, regulators have a role to play <laughs> in this. Um, they have to be quick about it, and they're not quick at all right now, uh, even the good ones. But we, we have to uh, to put some rules around the creation and deployment of AI, for example, right? so that we don't have malicious, malicious AI that take decisions that will bring us to the uh, in the wrong direction, like kind of building Skynet kind of story, right? Um, so we want to avoid that. That means we have to have rules in place. We have to have perhaps AI police really seeking out artificial intelligence that are either were designed malevolent or they have learned to be malevolent over exposure to us idiots uh, because they're learning from us, right? Um, so it's it's a whole new virtual game that most people don't see that's currently happening right now. There's actually, I guess, some movements that are underway in order to, or some calls maybe is a better, uh, more accurate way of stating that, that there does need to be some sort of regulation uh, in case somebody gets, uh, you know, uh, the, the super code and these things start to, to replicate and they have evil intentions. Yeah, like, thankfully there are smart people on the planet that are seeing this coming. There's been plenty of discussions, serious discussions, for example, at the World Economic Forum in 2017 and and, and every year after that, another world organization where they've, they've been thinking, okay, like we have to put some rules, some uh, new Asimov rules, if you would, in place for, uh, for AI creators. I mean, there's no, um, I mean, these bodies generally don't have any uh, enforcement uh, power. But they've been like think tanks, like very prominent think tank, putting putting uh, two uh, two heads together and thinking up different rules that have generally been accepted by uh, the the major high tech companies uh, on principle, not because they're forced to, but just on principle. And that's been helpful. But governments themselves, they're the ones that have uh, legal authority to kind of change laws to actually make some enforceability into it. They're so slow that they're just now probably thinking about it. And they're about five to 10 years behind here. Um, so it, it's a precarious situation. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, I, I have hope 
that there's always a balancing act within the private sector, uh, you know, between people that are creating uh, AI that will help us progress and protect us uh, and those that are malicious, you know, because there's always these battle between um, between the enforcement, protection, penetration, and all that stuff. And that's going on right now in the AI field as well. And it's it's not perfect, but it served us well over the uh, over the generations. So that's a thing. Uh, I would just rather there would be laws in play right now. But coming close to singularity, our governing system is also obsolete and just can't move fast enough. We'll have to have AI actually doing that at some point just to keep uh, to keep track. You also uh, speak about how to prepare for this future. I guess that's both a good and a bad. Uh, can you give us uh, your perspective on that, both on the good and the bad? Yeah, on the positive side, um, uh, like my, my the title of my book, like Engineering Paradise, that's a positive mindset. Right? We can create the paradise that we are thinking about, uh, You know, a, a world where we are exclusively consumers, right? Productivity and work is all done by automation, and we restructure our governing system to modernize it. Instead of a 19th century design system, we have a 21st century system. The economy is redesigned. Like we can redesign all these things, learning what we've learned, and like restructuring it for the future. We can do that, and that's what I talk about in my book. Like these are things that we can do as entrepreneurs and as uh, authorities. To, to, to create something. If we don't do that, that's where the bad comes in because we know that our current systems are corrupt. They are misused. They are by design. They are generating uh, bad results. If we just replace the individuals with hyper-intelligent uh, hyper ro robots and AI, well, it's the same design. The robots are just going to do bad things, corrupt things faster and better. <laughs> so, so that's terrible. That's going to get us into a really, really deep shit. So, so we have to not just think about, well, let's keep the same systems and make it more efficient. No, we have to redesign it. Uh, it, it won't work the way it is. The, uh, people are suffering. They're already suffering. We can, we can actually resolve things like hunger, longevity. Uh, we can re cure genetic diseases now. Uh, we can... Uh, we can remove the need for money, uh, essentially, within 10 years if we really wanted to. But we're, we're not doing that because we're stuck in those systems that, are, that were built in the 18th and 19th century that, that are based on scarcity and no computing power. It, it's, it's just maniacal. What are some other ways uh, that automation is is rolling out, particularly uh, the automation, the job killing kind? Um, well, the first step that we've kind of licked is like the very re repetitive type of, of jobs. You know, it's been in manufacturing for such a long time, like robotics and AI there. No, people don't even think about it because it's automatic. Uh, we've gone to different steps. Now we're getting to a point where... Uh, white collar jobs, most of them are at risk. In fact, in 2000, hmm, McKinsey report from 2017, which is already five years ago, it said that about at that time, 60% of, of all work tasks could be done through AI and automation. And now it's closer to 80% of all 
work tasks, and that includes hyper-creative ones. You may have been uh, aware of a, um, a, a software called Dolly that can create art off of uh, just a couple of words, and it can create like amazing pieces of art. Uh, we can use AI to do all sorts of creating things. Uh, we've had uh, Watson create... Um, uh, trailers for movies uh, from Hollywood movies, and people didn't know it was an AI that created the trailers. Have very successful movies, uh, creating music uh, along with other human players and things like that. So, if you can have professional level music created by AI and art and, and all that stuff, that's that means that the AI can also be creative in governance, in decision making. And the only reason why we're not really uh, doing any you know, penetration in the market in those areas is that we want to keep those for ourselves because we're afraid of giving the reins over to the AI for decision-making. But the private companies are going to be the ones that are going to be doing it. In fact, there's a company, uh, and I forget which company now, uh, it was about two weeks ago, they put out the press release saying that they have um, elevated to the CEO position uh, an AI. So they have an AI that's acting as a CEO now. This is a company right. in China, right? Um, no, I believe it's American. Okay. Yeah. But the Chinese, they, they, they've probably done it already. I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't know about it. Um, they are way more adventurous with AI than we are. Yeah, apparently uh, a Chinese game company has appointed the world's first humanoid robot as its CEO. Her name, Tang Yu. Uh, Sophia was another one of those robots that uh, that got a, a name for herself um, right. a couple of years ago. Okay, so talk about where we're really headed with this stuff and throw quantum computing in there and nanotechnology mm -hmm. because, uh, <laughs> you know, that stuff is really getting intense here. Yeah, like... It just pointing on nanotech, like um, nanotech is really uh, technology of the small, of the very small. So if you think about the uh, the vaccines for the COVID vaccines, and now they're molecular vaccines and whatever that are using mRNA technology, that's nanotechnology. It's a type of nanotechnology, right? But we also have little tiny organic or mechanical robots that can go into the bloodstream. That's also considered nanotechnology. It's a bit still macro, but it's part of that. We're uh, re, uh, reprogramming uh, stem cells to attack cancer. We're, 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 we're doing all sorts of, uh, of things to the body uh, for medical purposes that are nanotechnology. Quantum computing itself, uh, well, let, let's, go, let's go back to the, to the body a bit just, to, just to, to give you an idea. We are 3D printing. You mentioned 3D printing a little bit earlier. We are 3D printing um, tissues in hospitals that are matching the, uh, the the skin cells of a patient, like a burn victim, for example, right? We're printing uh, what, 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 what do we call bio ink, which is essentially stem cells with a, with a, within a formula, like a liquid, and we're printing uh, skin, living skin, and then patching it up onto people. We're working on uh, 3D printing hearts and kidneys and livers and different things like that at a small scale. So eventually they can go into the hospital for a transplant Within the next, let's say, 10 years, probably not more than that, you need a, a kidney transplant. They take some of your stem cells, they grow them, they 3D print you a kidney, and then they implant it on you without using a donor. And it's your own cell, so there's no rejection. So these are things that are a combination of nanotechnology, 3D printing, biotechnology, 
that we are using in hospitals right now and in in, in the labs. And we're we're also doing cultured meats. You've heard of that, where we're growing uh, meats out of cells without killing yeah. the animal. That kind of a derivative of the, these type of technologies with uh, organic tissues. We're not really uh, using quantum computing for any of that because that's really for specific types of problems like mathematical problems and computing problems that uh, typically a a traditional computer won't be able to tackle. Uh, And we're getting really far ahead with that. I'm excited about it, but quantum computing won't be something that a normal person would ever use, most likely. But uh, they would probably use organic computers. And this is essentially kind of a copy of what you see in life, like in animals. You can create a, a computing devices like a, an artificial brain using organic matter. Uh, and then you can uh, you can use that. And these organic computers, they don't look like animals. They, they would actually look like a normal computer. They're just using the molecules that are organic. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't look like a puppy. <laughs> don't, don't take out of your mind. Out of your mind. But you can. You can do microchips that are way smaller than our our, our smallest microchips using that, and make them more reliable. Um, that's something. Something of a ways into the future, but that's probably more exciting. Um, ultimately, you know, creation of life. Uh, it can talk about all sorts of stuff like that. We we are considering considering uh, aging more like a disease now in certain circles not something that's inevitable uh, most if you're if a child is let's say 20 years old or or younger most likely they will never die of old age i got about 50 50 chance of dying of old age uh, as at 47 everything that we've been talking about so far uh, it just brought me a thought possibility of an ai fired 3d printed gun um, and, we- <laughs> yeah. and we- whether or not that could be uh, replicated or reproduced, uh, basically automatically. Well, the what you're pointing out here is the flip side, right? Everything that I was talking about earlier is all things that could be super beneficial for humanity, healthy, and stuff like that. But then turn that technology and with the, the desire to do harm, you can do a incredible harm. Uh, like you said, like, you know, killer bots, what do we call killer bots? Like AI, AI implanted into some kind of weapon. That's a terrible idea <laughs> for all sorts of reasons, especially if it's, if it's uh, deep learning, if it learns on its own. Um, we know that part of the reasons why when there's a conflict, that there's not so much death is because a person kind of holds back and doesn't want to kill another person, right? It has this moral compass, even if it's an enemy, there's a, uh, a holding back effect because you're confronted with the person. The closer you are, the, the harder it is to kill or harm somebody because we, we don't like it. It's, it causes trauma inside us. AIs aren't programmed with that problem. <laughs> so so you give, you give weapons to them, they, you send them along, and the human beings are kind of hanging back and kind of command and control uh, two kilometers away. Uh, massacres occur that would not occur if you had soldiers on the ground. You're, sa- you're saving soldiers' lives, but you're killing a lot of people. And then, what if one of those runs am- runs amok? Then you have to you hunt it down and dra- drag it back. It can communicate in the network to others. It can teach others its misbehavior, most probably. So you, then you have a unit or an army that is misbehaving. Well, what do you do then? Right? Um, it, it's a big problem. We should not go into. 
Uh, and yet China, Russia, US, uh, Israel, among others, are investing a lot of money into these things. And it's, uh, it's going to be a problem. Sylvain, what do you? But, but oh, your point is that civilians can develop this and kind of kind of do this on their own, not not just the militaries. What do you think of the wild possibility that maybe the aliens built some of this technology or gave us the blueprints for some of this technology? I I don't know about that. I mean, there's certainly a lot of speculation about you know crash landings and reverse technology, reverse engineered uh, tech that was left behind by the U.S., by the U.K., Russia, and whoever else. I, I haven't seen good proof of that. A lot of people are talking about it. Uh, as a scientist, I mean, I, I need to have more than just a testimonial or two of experts to to see that this was actually fact. Uh, it's it's possible. Aliens that are able to come here, that I believe aliens have been here, uh, I mean, extraterrestrials specifically, for thousands of years. That means they were able, a thousand or more years ago, they were able to cross the distance between the stars. Okay, so fathom that. We're not even close to being doing that in a reasonable amount of time. That means they are at least one to two thousand years ahead of us in technology. Automatically. So they're here. They're observing. They're playing with us, perhaps, and interacting with certain people. Um, they can do basically anything with us if they wanted to, you know, uh, and we wouldn't even know about it. They can give us technology or not. We wouldn't even know about it, probably, unless they intentionally uh, make a show so that we know that there's, uh, they exist, which is possibly the, the, some of the reasons behind the crop circles, some, uh, some sightings, and perhaps even some crashes. Maybe they intentionally crashed something so that we have some story and some tech or whatever. Um, I, I, I can't have any proof of that, but I know they are watching and they are benevolent. And the only reason why I, I believe they, I know they are benevolent is that because they, they, could have, they have no reason not to be, no rational reason for for uh, for them to be otherwise and they haven't really t- t- uh, tampered with with us in any significant way that would make us believe that they were malevolent so they probably w- waiting for us to do something which is why we uh me and some partners and uh hundreds of thousands of other people are supporting the construction of an et embassy so we can show that we are willing to have a conversation as rational indiv- individuals uh, and hence the uh, the ET embassy project that you've heard of. Now, what do you mean by embassy? Literally, an official embassy sanctioned by the United Nations uh, Vienna Convention, like a, an embassy just like a U.S. embassy or Thai, Thai embassy or Canadian embassy. So, a place where uh, diplomats with uh, immunity would be able to come to accomplish diplomatic missions. On extraterritorial land. That is the definition of an embassy according to the law. That is what we're building. And uh, you've got a conference coming up, I see here, uh, that's happening uh, virtually online, I believe, this Thursday? That's right. It's a, a Thursday between 6 and 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, uh, that's We're, we're going to give an update to the crowd, and there's uh, speakers and interaction possibility, Q&As, networking, uh, we're going to give an update about the NBC plans, the uh, the the um, the city planning around it, uh, where we're going, the the the, the timelines. Like the, the embassy will be uh, you know open uh, 
if everything goes well with the um, feasibility studies and kind of land studies and the uh, there's, there's no tardiness in the, uh, the, the political side, uh, in about 2030, that's when the embassy is going to be open. Um, and you're so, going to be actively communicating with ETs? That's the hope, at least? Well, not me. Uh, the purpose is to build the embassy so that the world can use it to interact, uh, the world leaders can use it to interact with the ETs. We're just funding it. We we raised $50 million U.S. for the construction over the number of years. Uh, and we're applying the uh, the efforts with the United Nations now and certain country leaders for to to gain extraterritoriality and changing a bit of the Vienna Convention so to accommodate for an extraterrestrial civilization because it wasn't when it was written in '69 it didn't accommodate for nations outside of Earth atmosphere. Um, these discussions are already ongoing. They've been ongoing since 2019 with different organ uh, with the UN and some prominent uh, politicians of different nations. And um, once we get these steps done, then it's you, you'll have an announcement from the United Nations saying okay, X country is building an, an official embassy uh, with extraterritoriality, which is the official, uh, uh, what is called the land. It doesn't belong to the nation anymore. It belongs to whoever goes to the embassy, which is going to be aliens. Uh, that's all going to be. That's all in machinations. Kind of a. It's been going on for a while. You're going to have United Nations in some countries declaring this a go within the next couple of years, probably. Um, and essentially, it's our organizations that are pushing for this and making the discussions. But uh, once they decide, like the nations and uh, the United Nations kind of decide to go forward, it's okay. going to get a little bit out of our hands. We got to tell people where they go to get the tickets to the extraterrestrial diplomacy conference. That's this Thursday. Where do they go, Sylvain? Well, they uh, they go to uh, our website, conference two thousand twenty two dot org uh, for as the number four, a conference two thousand twenty two alliance for et.org go there buy your ticket uh, and join us and you'll you'll receive all the information you can ever want appreciate you coming on the program sylvain roshan his website sylvainroshan.com if you miss any of it it's at paranormalradio.com have a great night thanks much don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 